Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. You're listening to For the Love of the Game, episode 66. Let's cook. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Far too kind. All right, all right, all right. It is your boy back in the studio, back behind the mic. Episode 66 for the love of the game. The last episode of 2019. A little holiday edition right now as we're in between Christmas and Hanukkah and New Year's. First of all, I want to wish all of my listeners, all of my legion of fans, a happy holidays and uh, a happy new year. A big thank you to you all. Say I saw a tremendous amount of growth in this uh, in this podcast in 2019. I mean, we booked advertisers. We joined a a media network. We have ads on the show, as I just mentioned, and uh, it was really, really uh, quite humbling in terms of how big this has gotten and how it's uh, and how it's continuing to grow. And I'd like to thank you all for that. And here's to. Uh, I should say thank you for a huge 2019, and hopefully uh, here's to an even bigger 2020. So again, thank you all. So a lot's gone on in the sports uh, world right now. It's a really fun time uh, to be a sports fan right now. A lot going on. We've got college football playoffs. We've got NBA is heating up. NHL is in uh, almost mid-season form. We have NFL playoffs. Uh, just a tremendous amount going on. So let's uh, let's kick it off with what happened uh, this past Saturday in the college football playoff. We had first game was LSU against Oklahoma. Well, uh, there's not much to say about this one because this was an ass kicking of epic proportions. Uh, LSU throttled Oklahoma 63 to 28. Uh, at the half, it was 49-14 LSU. Joe Burrow, Heisman Trophy winner quarterback for LSU, was basically in the zone. He was 21 for 27, 403 yards and seven touchdowns in the first half alone. I repeat, those were the numbers for the first half alone. I, I, there's really not much else you could say here. Total domination, LSU, the number one seed who's looked like the best team all year. Well, they continued to look like the best team in Oklahoma, who was, if you had to go into the playoff, was by far the the weakest team of the four teams. Well, they should probably just take a break from the college football playoff for a while because they just seem to get their doors kicked in every single time they play. I mean, I know Kyler Murray kept it close last year against Alabama, but I think we can... uh, Figure out a way to keep Oklahoma out if uh, the situation presents itself next year. And then we had the uh, the second game, a lot more of a contest. Clemson defeated 
Ohio State 29-23. A really exciting game. I mean, Trevor Lawrence looked like he was going to be knocked out of the game, but he came back and uh, and really, really played well. Very impressive performance out of him. As great as Joe Burrow has been, and he's the Heisman winner, if you put Trevor Lawrence on the field with Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence is the better player. I think not only will coaches tell you that, but I think uh, NFL talent evaluators would tell you that. So the championship game could be really, really interesting. LSU uh, will probably be a, a a pretty decent favorite, but I just caution for all of you who are betting on the LSU Tigers, Clemson has not lost in over two years, and Trevor Lawrence hasn't lost a start in college yet. And I know they play in the ACC, but he beat Alabama last year. He just beat Ohio State this year. And I wouldn't take the Clemson Tigers. I would not take them as a pushover for this LSU team. Uh, Should be an exciting matchup that we will get into closer to when it actually goes down. On to the NBA. Uh, A couple of NBA topics before we get into our main topic today, which is going to be all things NFL and and NFL uh, playoff preview. But a couple of NBA things that stood out for me. Uh, first of all, the uh, the Christmas Day games, which uh, for the NBA is like its hallmark day of the calendar. The Christmas Day TV schedule pretty much revolves around uh, five NBA games. And going into the year, you thought like these games were going to be awesome. Unfortunately for the NBA, whether it was Steph Curry's injury, Zion Williamson's injury, whether it was Pascal Siakam's injury... It it just didn't go that way. Really, the NBA kind of took it on the chin a little bit. But the uh, the most exciting game, uh, probably the marquee game, was the uh, the Clippers and the Lakers in uh, in Los Angeles. Technically, a home game for the Lakers, where the uh, the Clippers won again by three. A lot of interesting stuff going on here. So in episode sixty five, I talked a lot about the Lakers with uh, my boy Robert Carpellis and. All the issues that I uh, laid out for the Lakers, well, they manifest themselves a tremendous amount in this game. I mean, everything I mentioned that should give Lakers fans pause, well, it reared its ugly head on uh, on that Christmas Day game. Uh, LeBron wasn't great. I mean, he got his numbers, but he uh, shot 12 threes, uh, 2 of 12, which wasn't great, and turned the ball over a little bit too much, more than he normally does. Uh, but that's just, I, I would say that was a one-off and maybe it was because he was a little, little dinged up with the, um, with the groin injury that he wasn't as aggressive going to the basket. I'll, I'll, I'll let that slide for a game. Uh, Anthony Davis got his numbers, but only got 17 shots. I, I don't anticipate that going forward, uh, very much, but the issues that I talked about with the Lakers, not having a secondary ball handler who can create his own shot and create shots for others is a major problem. Rajon Rondo was really bad in that game. Um, I mean, that LeBron has to do so much in terms of creating not only offense for himself, but offense for others. And yeah, Kyle Kuzma had a really, really good first half and, and a solid game overall, but a really, really good first half. But it's just not enough. It's not enough. And this is going to be the Achilles heel for the Lakers this entire year. And it's why they're not going to beat the Clippers in the playoffs. And when you're measuring the Lakers, they're measuring themselves against the Clippers 
They're the only team that that really matters for the Lakers right now. Yeah, Houston's a weird story. Dallas is up and coming, and if they get Andrea Godala, they could be a problem. Denver's a little up and down, but the Lakers are measuring themselves against the Clippers. And right now, I know the Clippers for the regular season so far have been a little up and down. I think right now they're the five seed. But at the end of the day, that those are going to be the two teams that are going to be there at the end. And the Lakers just don't have enough as currently constructed to get past the Clippers. And the Christmas Day game was a microcosm of that. And yeah, the Lakers were on a four-game losing streak. They snapped that last night. I just don't see it. I don't see them being a, beating the Clippers in a playoff series because the gap between LeBron and Davis and their third best player is so big. And that's not the case with the Clippers. And the Clippers have six, seven guys who you're comfortable playing. And the Lakers have three, three and a half. It's just, and that's the difference. And that's the difference. So, but it was a really good game. I, I know you had the replay issue at the end. I personally think it was the right call. It went out of bounds off LeBron James last. That is the rule. If you're going to use replay the way replay is currently used, then you have to use it correctly, and it was used correctly. Whether you like the way replay is used or not, that's a different story. But it was a really entertaining game and and kind of salvaged the uh, the Christmas Day slate. The other interesting thing was... Uh, the Bucks got handled by the Sixers. Bucks really, uh, really struggled in Philly. Uh, especially Giannis Antetokounmpo had like by far his worst game of the season. Joel Embiid played excellent defense on him. He dared him to shoot. Giannis didn't make any threes, and he was awesome guarding Giannis at the rim. For everybody who's worried about the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, and especially Giannis going against all the length on defense that Philly has. And it's a problem, but then again, Philly had really long defenders last year. And in the three games last year, Giannis averaged, and I repeat, averaged 43 points, 18 rebounds, and and close to seven assists. So I wouldn't be too concerned about Giannis uh, against the Sixers, and he's even better this year than he was last year. Uh, I wouldn't be too concerned, but the really interesting thing is is this Philly team because, yeah, the pieces don't always fit, and they've been up and down, and they think they can flip the switch, and they haven't necessarily been super consistent. But when Joel Embiid is super engaged and Ben Simmons is playing off Embiid in the proper way, they're a really frightening team. And yeah, the the Al Horford addition hasn't looked great. The numbers are, are are really startling in terms of when him and Embiid are on the floor together, that it's really been clunky. Uh, it hasn't been good. But even so, there's something about this Philly team that their upside is that they are the scariest team and the most dangerous team in the East. Now, I don't know if they can get there. I mean, Joel Embiid is one of a handful of guys that if you put him in a playoff series with Giannis, he... Embiid could be the best player in that series. He's that great, and, and he's a monster when he's when he's right and totally engaged. And Philly goes as he goes, and and Ben Simmons, if he can figure it out and just be a little consistent, it, it's a frightening team. I, I still really like Milwaukee. I still think Milwaukee's going to the finals, but Philly showed you on Christmas Day 
that they are and can be exceedingly, exceedingly dangerous. Uh, Also on Christmas Day, it was just so gratifying watching the Houston Rockets lose to the depleted Warriors. Just so gratifying on so many levels. I mean, I despise this Houston team so much that they're even turning me against my guy Russell Westbrook, which I didn't even think was going to be able to happen. But this Houston situation has managed to to do that. And maybe it's just me fighting off all the Harden stands and the Houston stands, but man, was it gratifying to see Golden State, who has been hit by the injury bug, lost Durant to free agency. It was nice to see their G League players, plus Draymond Green, who looked great in that game. And D'Angelo Russell played well too. And they actually went on their big run the fourth quarter without D'Angelo Russell, which is interesting. But you know what? I know it's an off year for the Warriors, but they played hard. They're still coached well. The infrastructure is there. If Draymond Green is engaged, he shows you why he's still one of the 20 best players in the league. And anytime Houston embarrasses themselves on national television, that's a win for me. So reports came out that uh, currently Carl Anthony Towns, the super talented forward center, who puts up a lot of empty calorie stats and doesn't really play a tremendous amount of defense. Well, he's unhappy with his situation in Minnesota. The uh, The Timberwolves started out super hot this year. Well, they've fallen off in a big way, and they are uh, a couple of games under 500 here and are going to miss the playoffs again. This guy who signed uh, a max extension, and he's in about the first year of that contract uh, of a five-year deal, well, he's all all of a sudden unhappy. I hate to break it to you, guy, but you're on your second contract now. Like, at a certain point, you're being paid to be the franchise player. You got to set the tone. You didn't like it when Jimmy Butler was there, and Jimmy Butler whooped your ass and pushed you, and you guys made the playoffs, and you would have been a higher seed if he had not gotten hurt. But you wanted him out, and you were upset because he hurt your feelings, and now look at you. You're the alpha dog, or the supposed alpha dog. And you guys aren't winning any games because you don't care enough about playing defense and you just don't have a competitive bone in your body. So I don't care if you're unhappy, dude. Maybe show a little fight. Show that you care about winning. Do the little things instead of being concerned about, you know, your three-point percentage, which, I mean, you're super talented. You're super talented offensively. You have every skill offensively that you can want in a modern-day big man. But you don't do any of the little things and you don't push your teammates to be better. So I don't care if you want to trade. You signed an extension. You got to figure it out at this point. It's on you to change the culture. Because the guy who changed the culture ruffled too many feathers and then he wanted out. And you ha- and you guys haven't been good since. So Carl Anthony Towns, cry me a river, dude. Cry me a river. I, I've just I, I've had it with these guys who show no competitive fight, no competitive spirit. Yes, his front office great, no, but he has a lot to do with it at this point. If you're being paid the way he's being paid, you have to change the culture. An NBA superstar is the most valuable thing in sports. He is the one guy who can change a team. There are five guys on the court at once. And your star players play close to 40 minutes a night. If you're that great 
as your stats suggest, which I don't personally think you are, but many people around the league think you are, if you're really that great, you would change your own situation in terms of your team's performance, and then you wouldn't be so unhappy. So how about maybe trying to play some defense on the pick and roll and not being a turnstile, and then see what happens, and then tell me how unhappy you are after that. Just, just a thought. And lastly about the NBA, well... I mentioned uh, the Knicks last week, you know, after they fired Fisdale and how they're a dumpster fire, and they still are, but I I give interim coach credit. He's got them playing hard. They're five and six in their last 11 games, and they show a little fight. The roster still sucks. I hate majority of the team, except for RJ Barrett, who's been kind of lousy lately, and Mitchell Robinson. Everybody else can uh, kick rocks. But at least they try hard. And for a young team that's not very good, that's the best thing you can ask for. Okay, so that's a, a couple of notes on the NBA. And on to the NFL, where we're about to call up a recurring guest uh, who I can't wait to talk to about uh, the upcoming playoffs. Thank goodness the playoffs are here because I did not really enjoy this regular season. Uh, I think this regular season sucked. It wasn't just the Giants that were bad. There was just a lot of bad football on display. Uh, But a couple of things to wrap up the regular season. Shout out to Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston became the first quarterback to throw over 30 touchdowns in a year and 30 interceptions in a year. He also threw for 5,100 yards, which is incredible. But Jameis Winston, who really has a a knack for throwing the ball to the other team, as I mentioned, 30 interceptions, ended the year for his 30th interception in overtime, throwing a pick six, just so Jameis. And then he has the audacity to say, if I didn't turn the ball over, I would be the best QB in the league. Well, yeah, that's true, but you don't have the ability not to turn the ball over because not only do you have – you know, a hilarious case of fumbles when you're trying to scramble. But as I mentioned, you threw 30 interceptions, 3-0, 30 interceptions. So, yeah, I don't think you don't have the ability to turn the ball over because I because if you did have the ability not to turn the ball over, I don't think you turn the ball over. Uh, and also, he wants about $30 million a year. Just hilarious. I mean, you're going to get franchised. Why would anybody sign you to a long-term deal? Because you're... Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, no one knows what the hell is going to happen every time you drop back to pass. So, yeah, Jameis, you may want $30 million, but no one in their right mind is going to pay you $30 million. But we'll see what what happens this offseason. The Giants, my New York Giants fired Coach Pat Shermer, which was definitely warranted. I mean, he was a buffoon, as I've mentioned many times on this podcast. But, of course, they only went – half-assed measures and didn't clean house totally and are looking to keep GM David Gettleman. Just, uh, I I don't get it. And we'll get into this uh, with my guests today. And finally, uh, just a little update on my, um, my uh, pick five against the spread. Uh, I finished 45, 39 and one uh, after two and three week and week 17, uh, about 54%. So a little bit better than what I did last year, but not good enough. Hopefully next year we'll be up around 56, 57, 58%. End of the season hot, but in the middle of the year, it was it was rough. I, I just have a tremendous amount of respect for the guys who are 
upwards close to 60%. I mean, it's just incredibly, incredibly difficult. Uh, with that said, we're going to uh, call up a uh, an excellent recurring guest to talk NFL playoffs and wrap up the regular season in just a minute. All right, so I teased it before. We're bringing back on an excellent recurring guest, uh, a football junkie, a fellow Giants fan, depressed Giants fan, to talk a little bit about uh, the end of the regular season and uh, a little playoff preview. Maybe we'll touch about, I should say, we'll probably touch about the uh, the Giants a little bit later on the show. As you probably can guess, Mr. Shy Elberger is back. Shy, what's cooking? Uh, not much, not much. Season's over. I feel like we just had the season preview conversation like last week. I know, uh, but I'm so happy that this regular season o- is over because honestly, I think this regular season sucked. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, it honestly, to me, felt like the same as like last season and the season before that for from the Giants' point of view. But yeah, you're right. Not a lot of big storylines. Obviously, a few that we'll, we'll talk about. I'm sure. But yeah, I, I would agree. Overall, kind of boring. And I also thought the the level of play is just it's just not good. Well, I I think I feel like injuries really play a part in that. Oh, I feel like every year you can always point to like a bunch of stars that get hurt, but I I feel like every year that's what happens. And so like by mid-season end of season you're playing a ton of backups. Um the some of the penalty situations were not good. Um and uh yeah, just a lot of sloppy play, I would agree. So I wanted to kick off tonight's uh, conversation. I I wanted to start with uh, last night's Sunday night football, which was an excellently played game. Just awesome. An awesome game to watch. Would you say the Niners and the Seahawks are the two most dangerous teams in the NFC? I would have said uh, the Saints would probably would be top two for me. Um, And then I really would have to think about San Francisco versus Seattle because they're pretty evenly matched in my opinion. Um, but the fact that uh, New Orleans now is going to have to go on the road, that presents a, a problem for them. So, yeah, I would say at this, at this setup, San Francisco and Seattle are the two most dangerous. Now, what if I told you that Seattle was actually better off for losing last night? Because instead of them getting the three seed where they would host Minnesota, who I don't have a very high opinion of, as as you know, um, and then going to what would be uh, – I, I think they would be going to New Orleans right in the second round if they beat Minnesota. Now they get to go to Philly and they're 70-1 and one on the road this year and Philly is extremely shaky to say the least. And then they would play this San Francisco team in round two if they won round one that they know very, very well. And they're not scared going into San Francisco. Would you say that Seattle actually benefited from this last night, the way it played out? Um, I mean, I guess any team that was going to end up playing at Philly was going to benefit from that. So it ended up being Seattle. So from, yeah, from that point of view, they benefited. Um, because the Eagles, I think we everyone can agree, are the weakest playoff team that just happened to be able to host the game. Um, but then, again, playing San Francisco, yeah, they know them. And, I'm, right, it would be a good game. It's not an easy game by any stretch, uh, obviously. Um, so I would say just from, I guess, who would they have played if they had won? 
if they had the beat round. if they had beat Minnesota, assuming they won last night, they yeah. would have gone. They would have they would have been the three seed. Beat Minnesota. If they beat Minnesota as the three seed, they would have gone to I believe New Orleans. Well, they would have hosted in round one. Uh, right. They would have hosted Minnesota round one and then gone to New Orleans round two. Yeah. So, would you rather host Minnesota or go at Philly? Um, I I would say at uh at Philly, I guess. I don't know. Something about the Eagles. I said this last time. Just like despite how sucky they are, I just feel like they can somehow win games and get to the Super Bowl. And I don't know how or why. I just feel that way. See, I feel that way about Seattle. And 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 this is the reason this is the reason why. It's Russell Wilson. And I know Lamar Jackson had had an insane season, just an insane season. But am I crazy to think that Russell Wilson is the best QB in the league and the QB I trust most in a big spot? No, not crazy at all because Wilson's career has had several moments where he's come up big in big games. Um, Lamar Jackson, people think, will do that, is projected to do that. But given that it's his second year only, he just you haven't seen it. So you've seen it with Russell Wilson. Does that mean Lamar can't also, by the time you know the, these playoffs end, we're talking about what a ridiculous postseason run he had? Obviously, yes. But today, yeah, you would, you I would trust Russell Wilson in a playoff game over Lamar because Russell Wilson has won a, a ton of playoff games in Super Bowl. Uh, and Lamar hasn't. So from that point of view, you're not crazy to think that. And we kind of got robbed last night of a great moment. Well, not really got robbed because Seattle had a I major know. hand in this with that horrendous delay of game penalty. I mean, I don't know what the hell happened there. but yeah, I, I agree. I was ready for a Marshawn game-winning touchdown to get to get the number one seed. That would, that would have been an awesome, awesome moment with Marshawn yeah. Lynch coming back. Uh, getting them, uh, winning them the division. They would have been the three seed, actually. The they, three they, seed. Yeah. That's why I'm in the division. That was so weird, though. Also, it wasn't like a delay of game where they were just like snapped in a second late. They were like in the huddle, clearly under the impression there was a ton of time left. And just red clock just went down and the refs called it. I mean, so I, I, was, I think they thought that there was like an injury on the field where the clock was going to stop. I don't know. It was weird. And then there was that maybe pass interference where. Um, that, that was, I thought, pretty clear. And I don't know if you saw the Al Riveron explanation that they deemed it wasn't even worthy of a review. I mean, if that's not even worthy of a, of a review, then I don't know. I mean, that, that looked like a clear grab and did not just like clear pass interference. I don't know. Then why are we having these things that it's that they're reviewable? If I that's know. the way it's going to be, then then why are we doing this song and dance? We said that we just we said this last time. Oh, no yeah, it's just better it, go away next year, but I feel like it's not going to. It's just it's just ridiculous. But anyway, so so yeah, last night's game was awesome, and I mean, as for the Niners, when their defense is healthy, I mean their their front four is awesome. Richard Sherman's been awesome. They can run the ball. Um, Jimmy G though is is still shaky, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't. I don't trust him as much as other guys in the NFC, even Wentz, um, or obviously Rodgers or Breeze um, and Russell Wilson. So, but he just, you know, at some point it's going to become like he he is what his QB record is. He's put up 
good numbers. That was a, uh, yeah, he didn't play that well last night, but he's, he's, he's shown that he can play well against good competition. It's crazy to me. I think when I, we were talking about Shermer getting fired like two months ago and I brought up Kyle Shanahan, like what he could be, what would be, he would be able to do with the giants. I still think of the Niners, like who do they have? Debo Samuel, Raheem Mostert, Kittle, and like Jimmy G, and well, somehow they put up thirty points all the time. Well, Kittle has turned into basically Gronkowski, yeah, so yeah. That, I mean that's better than than what the Giants have. Um, I mean Debo Samuel's awesome. They, I know the guys they, by, by yeah. They got Emmanuel Sanders at the trade deadline, which was awesome. It's like right. They they're not how so I guess I mean Kittle is, but like maybe by next year we're thinking of Debo Samuel as like a legit number one receiver. You know, I don't know. Manuel Sanders <laughs> has been to a couple of Pro Bowls. He's he's no slouch, and they have a good offensive line. Right, that's what the O line and their defense is very good. But we'll see. We'll see. They're, I feel like next year San Francisco could be the team who's like deep, their defensive coordinator gets hired by someone, and their defense falls a little bit, like Chicago's did this year. There's always there's always that those couple of teams. I mean, the Rams, the the Rams, Bears. Yeah. It happens every single year, and it seems like I never guess right which teams it's going to be. <laughs> as for the uh, moving on to the NFC uh, uh, playoff overview as a whole, so what do we make of the field? Uh, specifically right now, the Packers, right? The Packers are the two seed. Um, they've won five straight games, but Aaron Rodgers looked terrible yesterday. I don't think he's had a particularly good year. He looks miserable playing. I mean, are the Packers the weakest two seed that we've seen in a while? Uh, I would have to look at the list of two seeds from years past. But, uh, no, I get your point. Like, you see their drives where Rodgers is on the field with – it's Devontae Adams and, like, five scrubs. So, I mean, he, he this is probably his worst group of receivers – uh, that he's had in quite some time. And Jimmy Graham is like a year older. He he looks very slow. And he also um, looks so situational. Like, they don't use him at all. No, no, no. Or very um, little. But he's still Aaron Rodgers, and the throws he makes sometimes are still like, oh, right, that's Aaron Rodgers. And I think Aaron Jones is is kind of like a stud. He's really good. And they also have a good O-line. Um, so from like from that point of view... Now that if Rodgers is having a bad game, they could totally lean on Jones, which you saw last game when he finally busted that long 60-yard touchdown. And their defense also is pretty good. It's not amazing, and it can be beat, but it's like it's good enough where that not, at home at Lambeau, they might be a weaker two-seed, but given that setup, like at home at Lambeau with a bye week, I think they could be pretty dangerous. I just – I haven't seen Rodgers make one of those – oh my God, throws that we've grown accustomed right. to making in two to three years. And it's like well, at a certain point, he's not that guy anymore. Well, maybe we'll see these this, these uh, playoffs that remind us. So that brings me to uh, the Saints, right? Who I think you and I agree are an exceedingly complete team and a dangerous team. Yes. But did the Saints not getting the two seed – by them losing that game at home against San Francisco, did that basically doom them because they don't do well in the cold? And right. assuming they win round one, which I think we both assume they will, 
as crappy as I think Green Bay is, Green Bay is still cold. Right. So that also is going to be, will be an amazing game, Rodgers versus Breeze. But, I mean, if that game is very cold, if it's snowing, despite the Saints being the better team, I would imagine the Packers would actually would be favored in that game. And and rightfully so. I mean, I, it's not like Breeze is Eli. He, he can't be Rodgers in Green Bay or the Packers in the playoffs. Facts, um, facts only. But... That, I don't know. I, I wouldn't be so confident taking the Saints in that game. Uh, if the Superdome, I. I would be, yes. Because th- those two teams, the two home field advantages they each have are probably top three in the NFL. So that, that seeding difference was very big. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I just – I the Saints it, – it's weird because we, we want the playoffs to, to I guess – give us like a clear best team at the end of it. And I just feel like this year with all the craziness, like we're just not going to get that. Well, yeah. And also the the big difference is in football, obviously it's a one game to decide who goes on. So you could easily have the Saints losing, you know, the divisional round. Yeah. But historically the number one seeds have, have gone far. Like if you're the one seed, you're, you're, um, I, your right. odds of making the Super Bowl are tremendously high. Right, that's true. That's true. So yeah, it's going to be interesting. But before we go on to the AFC, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to Carson Wentz. I know there were a lot of doubters, and I was, I guess, starting to be one of those doubters. But like the fact that, and yeah, they they were nine and seven. They're not very good. But with all the injuries, the fact that he put the team on his back towards the end of the year. And basically won them all those games. Like you got it, you got to tip your cap, and he was exceedingly impressive to me. And not only that, their defense is bad. It's not like bad. Well, their their secondary is horrendous. It's horrible. And like you think, I didn't even think Wentz had a, a particularly good season this year. But you see him th- them winning three in a row or four in a row in the season, five out of six or whatever it was, and his offensive teammates are literally like. Arcega Whiteside, Greg Ward, uh, Goddard, and Ertz, and a combination of uh, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. And literally, they, and Ertz they, didn't even play yesterday. And then Ertz didn't play yesterday. Sanders got hurt. Like this guy, Boston Scott, is having like 30 fantasy points at, like in a playoff game for them. And you really, it's Wentz, it's, it's has to be coaching involved there. And like, there's no way you could argue that their offense is a talent. The last few weeks of the season was near the Giants. Like, how are they out just scoring 31, but the, but the Giants to score 17 with their players? Like, that's where I always feel like coaching is very, you know, instrumental in, in how you perform, especially when your starters are out. It's, it's Doug Peterson. It's Doug Peterson versus Pat Shermer. And it's, uh, and it's a team that's, that still has confidence because they won a title a couple of years ago. Right. And um, yeah, that, that, that's pretty much it. I, I it's really mind boggling. And Wentz for all the, uh, the crappy year that he's had and, and he's had an up and down year, he still threw for 4,000 yards. And, and what he did the last month, month and a half of the year was, was exceedingly impressive. So uh, yeah. with that said, on to the AFC, uh, the new England Patriots. Lost yeah. to my Miami Dolphins, who uh, I've been betting 
uh, for the last six or seven weeks or so and have won a bunch on the Miami Dolphins. They the the value was just there. Well, the Pats they they look to be to be toast. Uh, no buy for them this year. Is this finally the end? Finally, the end of the Brady Belichick era. By the end, do you mean will one of them not be on the Patriots next year? Will they? Will last year be the last Super Bowl appearance appearance for the Brady Belichick era combo? The combo. I'd say. Oh man. Um, I say no. I feel like they'll probably win it next year, but I, I'm here. I'm with you. Like their offense has just been so bad the whole season. And when we were all, everyone was saying it in like week ten or whatever, the respond, the replies were like. Remember, you do this every year to the Patriots. You count them out too soon, and then they end up going on a run. That is definitely possible right now. I can easily see them getting to the Super Bowl, even with a a crappy offense, winning games like 20 to 14 or whatever, because their defense is really good. It wasn't good yesterday. They were not good yesterday. That was crazy because Stephen Gilmore was like legit Darrell Revis all season, and then Devontae Parker just ate him. Um, Shout but, out to yeah. my fantasy team that had a heartbreaking loss in the finals, Devontae Parker. Anyway, uh, not that anybody cares. He gave you a good couple months there. He did. Um, yeah, so the Patriots, are they toast? Like, I'm not ready to say, like, there's no chance they're winning a sec, uh, round two against Kansas City. I think they could be Kansas City. I don't know how they would do it. I can't, like, envision it happening. But I feel like I'm not willing to just say the Patriots are not going to get to the Super Bowl until I actually see it happen. Like if, everyone, you would think the Pats went like nine and seven this year. They were like thirteen and three. This is like their worst season ever. They were thirteen and three. And um, with that, all that being said, I hear you. I'm pronouncing the era dead. It's nah, done. It's done. Brady's forty-two. Belichick. And he's 70 years old. I will say. I just don't see it. Everyone in America is going to be pissed if the AFC championship game is not Chiefs-Ravens. Yeah. So with that being said, so right now you just mentioned the Chiefs. Are the Chiefs like sneakily like in the best position here in the AFC? Remind me. who they So first round they have. So they're the two bye. seed. Right. They have a bye. So I mean, a lot has been made of the Ravens in the season th- that they've had, but the Chiefs could realistically see the the Patriots in in the second right. round. Yeah, and do you really trust this Ravens team? I just trust yet. I I trust them more against any team besides the Patriots, especially because they played each other this year. Like I feel like Belichick does not lose to the same team twice in one season. And so if they were Ravens Patriots, I would I would really think the Patriots might win. But Chiefs Patriots, I'm taking the Chiefs. Actually, the Chiefs also beat the Patriots this year. So my whole point would be go to Kansas City as well. Yeah, I don't know. Now now I'm confused. I just I really like the Chiefs to I, I like their path. I, I know the Ravens have been the darlings. Lamar has been the darling. So Ravens have a bye also, and then they play yeah. the winner of uh, of uh, Bills Bills Texans. Yeah, I mean that's pretty easy second game. 
even though my Bills are amazing, I think uh, the think Bills awesome. the Bills defense can be can be frisky. And I know you're down on the Texans, but anytime yeah. Deshaun Watson is on the other side and Hopkins, like they got to be taken seriously. Uh, true, but I, I I don't know. I it's just you know whatever. I have my doubts. Um, still, yeah, okay. So I don't think the Chiefs are sneaky though. Like everyone thinks the Chiefs are awesome. So, I just think they're being overshadowed by the Ravens and the season the right. Ravens have had, which understandably yeah. so. So right. yeah, so so let's uh let, let let's get a couple of picks for the weekend. So uh, Saturday's slate is the AFC. The first game is Bills Texans. Who who you got? Uh, I am. Uh, I wish this game was at Buffalo. I would love to – I really – you know what? I said the Bills before the season, and I've been down on the Texans. Thus, I'm going to go with the Bills. I like it, but I'm going to go I, – I, I'm going to go on a coin flip with the Texans. I just think they can score just enough points to win. Uh, and then we got Pats, Pats Titans. Your Tennessee Titans. You were high on the Tennessee Titans, and they've I been would've... tremendous – Ryan Tannehill has been, I think he's, by the end of the year, the highest rated passer in the league. He, since he started uh, playing, since he started this year, he was fantasy number two quarterback behind Lamar. Unbelievable. Um, A.J. Brown. Right, A.J. Brown looks like a real beast. And Derrick Um, Henry. And Derrick Henry is a real beast. Yeah, yeah. I would love the, the the Titans to beat the Patriots. Everyone's going to be rooting for the Titans because also the Titans players are so likable for some reason. Even though Tannehill is like a bust on Miami, everyone loves that he's tearing it up now. Um, and people just like Derrick Henry and A.J. Brown. Um, I'm still going to go as much as I want to. I'm going to go with New England. I just don't see the Pats losing at home in the playoffs to the Titans. I just I can't see it. I'm doing it. I'm picking Tennessee. What's the spread? I I think right. it's like three and a half. Oh wow! Uh, uh, I'm doing right. it. I think. Uh, remember that year the Ravens went into uh, went into Foxborough and Ray Rice ripped off that opening uh, that opening run for like yeah yeah close, that was, close to eighty yards to that house. Two thousand nine. That was ten years ago, which was also the last time the Pats played in the wild card round. Well, it happened 10 years ago. I have this weird feeling it's going to happen this Sunday. I mean, this this weekend, this Saturday. I'm doing it. Titans, upset. Let's go. If uh, Derrick Henry opens the game with an 80-yard touchdown run, you can tweet me. I, I I will I will I will tweet everybody I know and all the all the Bostonians uh, that I know in my life. I will make sure that they hear about it constantly. Uh, so Sunday slate. Uh, I think the early game is the early game is the Saints and the uh, and the Vikings. Who you got? Uh, I don't see how anyone is going to take the Vikings here um, in New Orleans. Yeah, this is revenge for the Minneapolis miracle. They've been waiting two years or three years for their revenge. I think the Saints. You know what? Uh, yeah, you know what? Saints are going to win, and I think by a decent amount. 
Agreed. But I really want to say Cousins is going to keep it close. Oh, stop. You don't really I, believe that. I don't believe it, but I want to say it. You don't believe it. Stop it. No one feels good about Kirk Cousins. And just uh, just so I can throw my um, – you know, throw my my fit again, or I should say my rant against uh, statistics. Guess where Kirk Cousins ranked in terms of QBR this year? Uh, fourth, fourth overall. That's that. That's no, not, not QBR quarterback rating. That's where you know know that stats lie. And watch the games because Kirk Cousins is not even close to the fourth best quarterback in the National Football League. But anyway, and so in the um in the fourth and final game of the weekend, we've got the Seahawks and the Eagles. I, I can assume I know where you're leaning, but just uh you gotta put it on wax. Uh yeah. I'm gonna go with should I go with the Eagles? Um no. I'm gonna go with um Seattle. I got Seattle too. So, uh, yeah, it should be an exciting, exciting wild card weekend. Uh, but before we go, we got to talk about the Giants. Let's end the show on this. Obviously, you know the news. They fired Pat Shermer, which is something I've been calling for for a couple of weeks now. But they didn't go full, um, full blow it up because they've retained David Gettleman couple of yeah, things. One, um, what are your thoughts? Uh, I mean, first of, first of yeah. all, who do you want to be the coach? And what are your thoughts about Gettleman staying on? Uh, who I want to be the coach is I'll preface this the same way I did when we were talking about draft prospects, that I don't watch college football. Like, the, uh, the hell if I know who's going to be a good head coach versus not a head coach. I really like McAdoo. I, you know, during and after his first season, I would never have guessed that he would be fired 12 games later. So do I, uh, do I have strong convictions on any of these people? No, not really. Cause I don't really know. anything. But from what I hear and read about, I definitely am, uh, am intri- intrigued by Matt rule. Uh, like everyone else is, I think turning around two college programs is impressive. He has NFL assistant experience. Obviously the risk is that he's never been a head coach. So is that a route the Giants want to take after what's happened? Um, Josh McDaniels, I think would be very interesting because I would have a lot of confidence in him to make the offense really good. Um, I know he wasn't, he kind of failed in Denver's first time around, but I forget exactly what the details were. I remember like looking into what went wrong there. And that was like the whole Tebow situation and the Broncos got caught like spying on something and like McDaniels resigned immediately, even though he didn't know anything about it. So it was like some weird situation. So that doesn't really deter me. So McDaniels would interest me. Um, I saw they're they're trying to interview Eric Bieniemy, the Chiefs offensive coordinator. I literally don't know anything about him, so I'm just going based off the Chiefs' offense has been really good, whether that's Mahomes or some coaching. I don't really know. Um, and then I really don't – I know a lot of people say Mike McCarthy. Like, it just doesn't uh, – He's a retread. I don't want to retread. But, I mean, you think the same about Coughlin also was kind of a retread at the time. Fair. But, uh, so it's like, yeah, in hindsight, you could say, like, well, Coughlin was actually did better on Jacksonville. But, like, that's a hindsight comment. 
I don't know. Just I kind of want someone that's like hasn't done it before and is like a new, ex- a young, exciting person. Um, but that was kind of also like what Ben McAdoo was, so that didn't work out. So I don't know. My only thing is I want somebody. You know what? I would. And I know Ron Rivera was hired by the the Redskins, but yeah. I would even take. The uh, the Carolina offensive coordinator because the way he used Chris Mc- Christian McCaffrey, give me that. Give me somebody who's going to do that with Saquon Barkley, who is more talented than Christian McCaffrey. Might I add? Um, give me that because that is our going to be our formula for success. Jones, Barkley, a couple of young wide receivers. And let's get imaginative here. I don't. I, I just don't want to see Barkley running into the middle of the line twenty five times a game. I don't want to see it. All right. So I think, like, if we had Josh McDaniels, I wouldn't really have worry that the offense won't be uh, done correctly. Here's my deal, though, with with your Carolina suggestion. I can't take any more people from Carolina. I'm at my fair. Florida. Fair. So the, the 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 Mike Shula getting fired along with uh, Shermer. He was a, a Carolina retrial assistant. He, I don't even know what the hell he did. He didn't call plays. I'm not sure what he did. Not, no more Carolina people. Fine. Agreed. Agreed. I just want somebody who's going to think like that in terms of how our offense is going to look. With that said, so Gettleman, another guy from Carolina, staying. I personally hate this. What say you? I mean, I, I've been on the I hate Gettleman train for a very long time. I never really thought it was any better than 40, 60 that he got fired. I, I just don't like, it's crazy enough to me that the giants are basically hiring their like fourth coach in five years. I just didn't see them firing a GM and like completely starting over two years after it. I think they really like Edelman for some reason. And uh, why? Why? He's I, such a snake. Because he's an old, he's an old man, like they are, and they relate to him. And, but I think um, Steve Tisch wanted him out. Wanted to go I, completely, yeah, clean house. I think, yeah, I, I, they'll never say that, obviously, but I, I could see that that was the case. Um, and I don't know. I was really hoping there were some like reports that were coming in saying there was a chance that Gettleman would retire. Or be, go into an advisory role due to like age or health or whatever. So like that kind of got my hopes up. Um, but then like then then they said they were bringing him back. So well, I, I hope and, it. Uh, uh, I hope it. It gets it, it, it gets flipped and it, and they actually go through with it. And they and smarter heads prevail and they and they can his ass. Yeah, they're never. They're obviously not going to fire him now. Um, but it was. Um, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. All right, not important. So one last thing. One last thing, because I'm sure you uh, probably I, watched the uh, the Clemson-Ohio State uh, game Saturday. Um, I, I did not watch a lot, but I know where you're going to go with this. And I also told, I just remembered the point I was going to make. It was just that one of the things Mara said was, like, Gettleman knows he has to raise his batting average. All right, great. So you're putting him on notice. So now a coach that comes here is going to know that if they have a bad season, the GM's going to get fired. And the new GM is going to want to hire his own coach. Yeah. It's just like your just, coach and GM should be on the same cycles unless your GM is like well-established 
and is just like hiring whatever his second coach in 10 years. Correct. If it's, if you just both sucked and you're for two years, you sucked and now you're firing the coach, but keeping the GM. So now if you suck a third year, he's going to get fired. How can so, you let a lame duck general manager hire a coach? It's right. just crazy. And, and, and now with the free agency, I was just thinking about this. Like he knows he has to win next year. He's going to structure every contract that he signs to backload it, give him a ton of money. And then three years, they're in salary cap hell again, but at least they'll have uh, been close to the playoffs next year. We'll see. But speaking of the general manager, so uh, we both, I should say, where were you on the uh, the win against Washington? Because it took the Giants' odds are out of the, uh, the Chase Young sweepstakes. Yeah. Uh, but let me tell you something. I watched that whole game against Clemson, and I admittedly, I don't watch a lot of college football. Uh, 16 and a half sacks this year. Guys, you know, uh, what's his name? Todd McShay says he's better than the Bosa brothers at this age. You didn't even notice that that guy was on the field. And I know the guy against, he's going against, uh, on Clemson, I think is going to be a high pick, uh, at tackle. But I mean, come on, a generational talent. You don't even notice he's on the field. Is it really that bad that we're not getting Chase Young? He seems a little flighty to me. Yeah, I'm, I so I barely watch that game. Honestly, I really don't watch college football. Maybe the national championship I'll watch a little bit of. Um, against Washington, I just I can't. My even as much as I know, the Giants losing would be better for their draft pick. My brain or heart combination can't like actively get me to root for them to lose. So it wasn't like I'm rooting for Daniel Jones to throw an interception in overtime. What I was rooting for was that when Washington tied it up at the end of the game, they would just go for two and either they would win or they would lose. And like, I don't, I wouldn't really care if they wanted, I wouldn't be like angry at all if they lost. I just, I wanted that play to decide. Um, I cannot believe, honestly, I can't believe Washington did not go for two in that situation. And they're three of eleven. You go ninety nine yards to tie the game, and you don't go for two. Like I don't. I really then like decisions like that really drive me crazy. Yeah, um, but so, but, so, but uh, honestly, to me, hold on one second. Yeah. To me, watching Daniel Jones ball out and leading a drive in overtime to win, that's more important than anything yeah. the Giants are going to get in the draft. Well, I mean, unless I mean, we'll see. Five years from now, Chase Young is incredible and we ended up with some jackass we'll be like why did we win that game but i agree i like to watch that's what i want to see whenever it's like do you root for the giants to lose so i want to see the giants players play well and i don't mind if the final score is they end up losing correct um so but for chase young like i, I don't watch any college football i'm just going by what i hear I, everyone says he's amazing and then i've also heard that the last few games he was kind of a non-factor and i guess they carried into this uh bowl game so Let I me tell you, he was a non-factor. Double teaming him? Are they triple teaming him? It. I like, didn't notice any doubles. I just I saw like if he got if he got pushed, you know, out wide, and the quarterback stepped up. Like there was very little hustle back in terms of you know circling back around and and uh, going after the quarterback. But I don't know. I'm I'm not I a college football there. expert. I, I didn't. I, I just – you would think that he would make some type of tackle for loss or something. If he's that yeah. great in that big spot, you would think he'd make an impact play. 
let me. So this thought that just crossed my mind was, if he knows he's going to be a top three pick. Top fair. Pick, That's fair. He doesn't want to sit out these games, but at the same time, he's going to go ninety percent because he can't hurt himself. Um, I mean, maybe that is just like in the back of his mind, like don't go crazy here. You're going to be even if you have no sacks. You're still going to be a top three pick because you're you had an amazing season and you're going to do well in the combine. Fine, so, but I don't I don't like drafting guys like that. Okay, I'd yeah, ra- I'd rather the guys say, "Listen, I know this system sucks. I am going to sit out my bowl game to protect myself." I that I can respect, but if you're going to yeah. take the field, I want I want you to go balls to the walls. Okay, hundred percent. I'd rather you sit out and not play than than loaf it and go. 65, 75%. I'm not saying that's what he did, but but if you're, if you're busting it, a guy like that, as great as everybody tells me he is, make a play, make an impact play. That's all. All right. Fair enough. We'll see. You get to, uh, I know they lost, right? So that's it for him. All right. Well, shy, this was a pleasure as always, because, uh, the studio is about to kick me out, uh, because I always seem to run, uh, over time. But uh, I love what I do, and I love having you on, and and we go long, and that's uh, and the people love it as well. So always do appreciate I, it, and we're gonna uh, we'll probably reconvene uh, later on in the playoffs, hopefully. Tell tell me yes or no. Do I have thirty seconds for a final point? Yes. All right. So I just thought of this random thing yesterday, and I know it's anti Beckham, so I hate to say it. When he was drafted by the Giants, Coughlin was going to be starting his tenth straight year as coach of the Giants. So a pretty stable place. And next year will be Beckham's sixth head coach in seven seasons. I'm a, I'm a Beckham defender, but at a certain point, it's kind of you, dude. All right. It's like you got drafted by a guy in his 10th straight year, and now you're on your basically one coach per year for seven years. Well, yeah. Well, Freddie Kitchens got his ass canned too. <laughs> anyway, we'll leave you with that. Uh, I would love to have Beckham back on the cheap. Shy Elberger. Uh- Au revoir again, and we're going to do this again uh, later on in the playoffs. All right. See ya. Speak to you. Bye. Bye. All right. Uh, Great conversation with Shai uh, regarding NFL preview, and that is episode 66. Take us out. Victory lap, and I'm leaving. That's how you get me back. After a year, them 16s is 1.2. That's 2.4, and I'm only doing two. You want in the game, attention, new dudes. I can get you BT and TRL, too. You want to be in the public, send your budget. I ain't budging. Young did it to death, you gotta love it. Record companies told me I couldn't cut it. Now look at me, all star studded. Golf for the one par like a putted. All cause I uttered. Was utterly ridiculous. How sick is this? You want the bang, send Kanye chains, send Justin dust, send hypocrite. Then you got spit. Feel something like this. Woo, woo. What the hell are you waiting for? Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.